0: This episode is powered by DEN Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. <music> Welcome to Dent Talks. This is Tal Rabinowitz. I'm your host, and I'm the founder of Dent Meditation. Today, we're talking to Cassandra Bodzak. She is the author of the best-selling cookbook, Eat with Intention, Recipes and Meditations for Life that Lights You Up. You may know her as the healthy living guru from ABC's The Taste or the leader of online mind-body-soul support communities. This is a very helpful episode, as I don't really know anyone who at some point didn't struggle with their relationship with food, in small ways or big ways, and Cassandra also struggled with her body and food, and then after getting sick in college with major stomach pains that nobody could diagnose, it was out of sheer desperation that she began to communicate with her body and listen to what it actually needed and didn't need. It totally changed the way she interacted with food completely, and that is the basis of her cookbook and her way of living, Know What you need. Now look, figuring out what you need is actually fascinating, and we really dig into how food is your first reaction to all moods and what your body is craving out of life. If you would take a moment and start paying attention, you may start to understand what it really is that you need to give yourself versus the actual food. She gives us a few easy exercises so it's not as woo-woo as it sounds of talking to yourself. They're actually really practical exercises that we can all do to start getting to know ourselves better. She's a huge proponent of following your own instincts and never following anything like the Bible. We chat about how we can take that philosophy and apply it to the rest of our lives as well. Basically, how do we reclaim our power? Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, if you could reclaim your power in every single moment of your life, even the bad ones, wouldn't that be amazing? This is a fun and easy conversation, and I promise you will look at the choices you make differently. But it's going to be about make choices that are right for you, not for someone else. So I hope you like the episode. And also, she has a great personal practice at the end of the episode, which is an inner rock star meditation. It helps you realize it's how you show up in life, not what you do. So I get to be here with Cassandra Bodzak. I messed it up earlier, um, who is the author of the best selling cookbook, Eat with Intention Recipes and Meditations for a Life That Lights You Up. And it's beautiful. I mean, this book is so gorgeous and has everything in it. I mean, it has your story, it has meditations, it has recipes, it has a whole like self-help section, basically, on how to get your shit together. I mean, it's pretty impressive for a cookbook. I've never seen that much in one book, so that's amazing. And also, like I said, stunning to begin with, which I always think is really important for a cookbook. It has to look pretty. And you did it. So my question for you, though, is I want to like backtrack a little bit, because you now have a great brand, a successful business. You're huge in the health and wellness space how did you even get here? Like when you grew up, where were you raised? In New Jersey. Wait, me I...
1: too. Where? Fairlawn.
0: Oh my God. That's oh, So you were like in the heart of, of Housewives kind of a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It was a... I'm Demarest, so like okay. we're really close. Yeah. yeah. We, used we to probably play played each, each other. Each other in <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's so crazy. So what high school did you go to? Was it Fairlawn yeah, High School? Yeah, just Fairlawn High. I was it Northern Valley. Is this boring for you guys? Sorry, but this is very exciting for no, us. No, New Jersey <laughs> connection. That's so crazy. Someone else we just interviewed was from like... Two towns over, too. That's insane.
1: The best people come out of North Jersey. I agree. I
0: was just... I just got back yesterday. Flew out of New York. Um, So, okay. So, you were raised in Farallon. And what kind of kid were you? And, like, were you always someone who's like, super spiritual or into this stuff or someone who cared about her food? Like, how did you even get here?
1: It's so funny because I would. so I come from my parents are super, I'll call them quote unquote conventional or like normal American parents if you can generalize that way. Like they eat, you know, pizza and pasta. I actually thought we were Italian at one point because most of the food <laughs> we ate was Italian. But New Jersey
0: is so <laughs> Italian though.
1: So we just enjoy the, yeah, the Italian food in New Jersey. Um, but but I was always this little bit of a weirdo. Like, I distinctly remember when it was, I think, kindergarten, we had our first health class. I was so excited about it. And I took all these notes and whatever notes you take as a kindergartner. And I came home and I was like, I did this whole little presentation for my, my mom. And I was like, OK, so we have to we have to do this and we can't do this anymore. And I found out all this stuff. And she was like, yeah, OK. So what were
0: your do this, <laughs> don't do this? Like, what was it? Like butter and margarine?
1: Well, I was like, no, we have to eat more fruits and vegetables. We shouldn't eat pizza as much. Um, (laughs) You know, I was like, you guys shouldn't be drinking alcohol. You know, I mean, it was like, you know, my parents, like, don't drink a lot. But, like, they would have, like, a a glass of wine wine or, like, a beer at dinner sometimes. Totally. It's poison. They told me it was poison, guys. So I'm sure it was a handful as a child. Um, And I always was. Did you learn off the pyramid? Was that what you were learning back then? Do you remember the pyramid? Yes, the food pyramid. (laughs) It was like, yeah, I was learning off the food pyramid it was super basic you know it's like elementary school kind of stuff but I was instantly kind of fascinated with it I didn't eat that way obviously because as a kid you're kind of at the mercy of your parents so I ate you know whatever my mom put on the table whenever she made us whatever meal but I was always kind of interested in it and then it was funny because I also at a very young age was very drawn to I mean I'm gonna call it magical things like I wouldn't have called it spirituality growing up but yeah. I was always in the like spiritual section of the bookstore from like in 3rd grade I remember like I had like a best friends club <laughs> and they would come over and we would do like spells or meditations you know what meditations I meditations too what I would consider, you know, it was a quote unquote spell, but you know, we would sit in a circle and we'd all like think about something and then we'd like draw like something symbolic or whatever. It was really like looking back, I'm like, wow, I was ahead of my time. Now, were you the one like? I was this? the ringleader. You were. I was the ringleader, um, and it was really what about Ouija board. Ouija board. We I did mean, the Ouija, I was Ouija board. Obsessed. I love the Ouija board. I used to love astrology. I mean, I was reading like astro- astrology books when I was little, and I oh, was like,
0: the- I used to what was it? Teen magazine. I'm Like, I used to read my astrology <laughs>
1: <in> teen magazine. <laughs> right. I mean, but it was so. It's so interesting because then I just recently have been like looking back on that. I usually hadn't thought about it for a while. And I was reflecting on how, then there was this whole period of my life where I like literally put that girl in a box and like put it on the shelf.
0: When did you put her on a shelf? Like when did that start?
1: Um, Probably as soon as middle school. I think it was once I started like being more, I was more of like an introverted kid, I guess. And then once I started, you know, wanting to be socially popular and like I was in all the clubs and I did all the, you know, I was really like an overachiever at school. I like focused on that and it was just more so I wanted people to like me and I didn't want anything to do anything that was too weird. I would rock the boat. Um, And then it really didn't. It came back again for me in college was when I finally gave myself. I don't know, once I gave myself permission, the spirituality stuff started coming back in college organically. And I started, you know, when you're in college, you kind of have, you're like, oh, I'm on my own. Nobody can do anything. You know, I'm going to explore whatever I want to explore. And um, the food stuff had taken a turn for the worse during that time. Like I had really bad, disordered eating and I kind of took it to a very extreme place. Um, I felt like I had to work out a ton every day I would take literally I'd go to GNC and take every supplement oh my god and yeah even though some of the times it was natural there was a few non-natural ones but I would literally take like I'd have a whole draw of like 20 supplements and my mom would find them and like throw them all out and yell at me and punish me <laughs> and then I'd go buy more and like that's so what I would save money it was so um Compulsive,
0: And you were like working out. I remember reading in your book too, you said you literally fell asleep on a treadmill.
1: Oh my gosh. I used to, so I used to do like violin, you know, you do something like b- before school sometimes. So I would get up at like four in the morning and then try to run for two hours before I had to go to practice. And one time I literally just passed out. And my and and like hit the treadmill, and then my parents came running in. They were like, "What in the world is going on?" I was so extreme, and you never felt that you were extreme. Like in that moment, you are like, "This is just what I have to do." I knew that what I was doing was. There were points that I think I knew that what I was doing wasn't right. But it was, I couldn't stop myself.
0: How was your eating? Like, were you extreme with your eating too? Or no, you just really didn't exercise?
1: My eating didn't get extreme until college because I couldn't really on my parents' watch. Or I didn't feel comfortable doing it on my parents' watch. My parents didn't like, um, I wouldn't say they were like, super strict with me or anything like that. But it was very much I grew up and like my mom would have all of our cereal bowls laid out in the morning or our waffles laid out in the morning and you'd eat what you had. And then like she would pack me a full lunch and I'd come home from school and then she'd also have like cookies or a snack. Like there was always like food and she was always around to kind of make sure. So um, nothing happened really on that side of things until I had enough leash to hang myself with, pretty much, <laughs> in college. Strip all of our lives. And then as soon as I was in college, I was like, well, I'm not eating like that again. And everybody else gained the freshman 15. I lost the freshman 15, and I was get even more addicted to that once I saw that especially you were probably
0: like, I look amazing. All these other people got so fat. Look at me. right? Oh, my God.
1: When I first came home from from college the first time and everybody else would like popped up a little bit. Everyone pops up.
0: I mean, it's crazy. It's so funny.
1: (laughs) And you were so you were so then
0: you were strict about it. And then when did, I mean, I know I read in your book too, but I want to hear about it. Then you started to realize you got sick.
1: Yeah. So I really look at it as some sort of divine intervention. And like I said, at that period of my time during college was when I also started meditating and I started... Um, I would say I was a casual meditator. Yeah, but how
0: did you even in college start doing that? Like what brought that to you?
1: I had an awesome movement teacher, Miss Jean, and we would do all sorts of like movement. And she was also the dance head. And I choreographed and taught dance classes in college, too. And um, she would have us align our chakras in the morning before class every time. So she would do this meditation where we could either lay down or sit up and she'd go through all the different chakras and like the tones that go with it and the different qualities in each chakra. And I remember not knowing exactly what it was, but loving it and knowing that like I love the person I was after it. Like, I became like, I wouldn't fight with my boyfriend as much. I would be happier. And so I became so addicted to it. And, um, but it's interesting you could make the correlation
0: to meditation, especially at that age. I don't know if a lot of people would be like, oh, that specific thing I'm doing in the morning is working compared to anything yeah. else. That's actually pretty introspective.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I, like, like, aware, I, n- I noticed a distinct difference on the mornings that I did that versus on the mornings that I didn't have her or on the weekend mornings. And I feel like I've always been somewhat self-aware that I was a, like a little bit more anxious than most people. And so especially my freshman year, I was dating this guy who I was in love with. And he was such a good guy. And I knew he was such a good guy. And he never did anything wrong. And I would find something every day to be upset with him about. (laughs) And it was almost like also compulsive. (laughs) Yeah. Where I was like, there's a sane part of me that knows I should not be upset about anything. Everything is fine. And then there's this other part of me that like can't stop nagging.
0: How long were you guys together?
1: <laughs> a year. Um, and I surprisingly broke up with him.
0: <laughs> Is that one of those you like regretted? Like, did you spend college regretting that or no?
1: No. No, that was a good by the time I by the time I broke up with him, I was in a, a really good place with myself and I ended up dating a guy for the rest of college. That was a better match for me. Oh good. But but also it was like thanks to it was literally this this chakra balancing. I I loved it because it felt like I got, I know this isn't like, maybe it is, but I always say when I describe why I meditate and it starts with the, this like in college was that I feel like I get a miracle minute from my meditation where I have that minute where it's like a video game in my life. And it's like, you could say that to him or you could do that or you could not. right, <laughs> <laughs> Or you could take a breath and like Go walk with your friends or whatever that is. It's almost like I have that moment where I don't go directly into the reaction. Um, and it saves me so much. Oh, my
0: God. All of us. Right. Um, so you were meditating. And then your food was, I mean, you're a college. So I'm sure. Are you just drinking and hanging out, eating like most college, like pizza? And like, what are you eating at this point?
1: Yeah. So food was a wreck because during the week I would literally have, um, I would have special K with skim milk. And then I would have iceberg lettuce with fat-free ranch dressing. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> like, now it, like, makes me shudder to think of, honestly, either of those. Right now I have such bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that was, like, what I was allowed during the week. And I would track all my calories, like, you know. And if I, like, had anything extra, it would be, like, an apple or, like, one of those 100-calorie packs. So you have, like,
0: no protein. like Yeah, like,
1: no, oh, there's, like, no nutrition at all really going right. into the body. Would you feel lightheaded? Um, you know you're young <laughs> yeah yeah honestly i think that was i don't think i could, i don't even like looking back i'm like i don't even know how i did it i don't know how i did it um but i also then um would have obviously because i was in college and i would go out on the weekends and i would drink and then I used to have my uh, the same ex-boyfriend um, at the time promised me that he wouldn't let me eat pizza or chicken wings. <laughs> and then every night I would end up eating pizza, pizza or chicken sleep. wings. And then you'd be mad at him for And then I'd be it. so mad at him the next day. And he'd be like, babe, you don't understand what you're like when you're, <laughs> 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 when you're asking. I can't say no, you should eat. <laughs> um, and so that was like, you know, typical, I, it, atypical, but typical in, in the way that I think it can be often be a pattern in college where you, you drink and then you eat crap. Yeah. Um. But it wasn't until I was around 21 it was when I really felt like I was having uh, these horrendous pains in my torso. It was kind of all the way up to like where your liver, liver and gallbladder is like right before below your bra line Yeah. from, so it was like this massive, like whole torso pain that would be so bad I often describe it to um, women as like imagine like the worst period cramps you've ever had times like a thousand where you like you literally can't like barely walk where like you kind of just have to like you're like spread eagle on the bed just like laying down trying to find any angle that like isn't an intense pain. And so it started happening to me, and so I was always, I've always been, like, a bit of a dork where, like, I'm always on time, I'm, like, present for all my classes and all that. So my teachers started noticing that, like, I would miss classes, or I would come, but I would, like, sit in the back and not participate and kind of just be, like, weirdly to myself. And um, that same teacher, actually, that did the chakras called me out on it, and she was like, Cass, this isn't you. What's going on? And I told her, and I was like, I don't know what it is, but... Like it's just like pain and she was like, she was the one that forced my hand during her class to go to the infirmary and get it checked out. And the whole time I was so scared because I didn't know exactly how it could be related to the things I was doing, but I just knew in my gut that I've been doing bad things to my body for a really long time at this point. And I was really scared that I had done some actual damage Oh, my God.
0: Were you, like, pleading? Kind of oh, like? yeah. Yeah.
1: I was like, oh, God, please, please, please. Like, it's that
0: moment where you, all you do is hear your parents in the background being like, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> oh, my God, yes.
1: I didn't tell my My parents didn't even know. No, I know, but it's like yeah. you
0: just hear their voices. You're oh, like, yeah. shit, I should have
1: listened. Absolutely. Like, what are they going to say? Yeah. yeah. And they did all these blood tests at the infirmary. No one could figure out what it was. The pains wouldn't stop. And it was really I had, like, my first, like, Spiritual breakthrough experience, I want to say, where one night I was in my little, you know, dorm bedroom, and I was just crying because I was in so much pain. And I laid on my bed as I would do and just try to, like, move it so that I wouldn't be in that much pain. And I put my hands on, like, my navel and on my heart. And I was just like, I am so sorry. I am so sorry, body. I'm so sorry that I have hurt you so much to try to be small, to try to be as skinny as possible. I'm so sorry that I've hated you so much my whole life, that I thought you were wrong. I'm so sorry for... And I just literally did, like, my own, like... You know, it's um, beautiful. Apology to my body, and it just came from such an like a natural place because I was so desperate to figure out what was going on. And then I asked it. It was like I can't, you know. Now I instruct people on how to do this, but at the time it was just like if you've ever been in a desperate place with anything in your life, you just kind of do whatever comes up and you just go with it. Cause yeah. you're like I need a hail mary here, you know. And I, um, and I was just like please let me know how to nourish you. Let me know how to take care of you. Let me know what you need. Um, And I promise I'll do whatever it takes. And, you know, in that instance, it's not like I, you know, heard anything at that point. But I was just, I went online and I started looking up um, food, like food allergies and stuff like that. And I had had one of the nurses mention it to me like after one of my tests came back and they were like, you're fine, you're fine. and I was like, but I'm not fine. Right. She was like, maybe. She's like, sometimes people have food allergies that we can't detect yet. Um, and so I started investigating all that. And then I ended up going to the library and I just kind of went on this like mission. That's so crazy. And I just took it upon myself and decided to go vegan, gluten-free, allergen-free. Like I learned all like the top allergens. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing called an elimination diet, which is this was like now we have so many tests that you can do, but back this is like two thousand eight. Yeah, no, you really did have to eliminate. You had to just take it out and try things. So I did that, um, and it was funny because it was uh, pretty restrictive, but it was it felt completely different than anything else I had done before because it was actually coming from a place of deep love and wanting to heal instead of from a place of caring about how my body looked on the outside. And within three days of eliminating all the allergens, eliminating meat, eliminating dairy, I was like a new human. And not only was I a new human, but I had more energy and focus than I had ever had before. And it was the trippiest thing ever for me because it was up until that point, I just didn't think, I just thought I was one of those people that was always tired. I just thought I, was, I thought I was like, I probably have ADHD. You know, like right. I'm always distracted, you know. and so it also
0: changed like your brain function. It
1: literally changed me in so many ways. So I, I stuck with it. And you're usually an elimination diet. You're actually only supposed to do it for like three or four weeks. Right, and then you add stuff back in, right? But I was so scared to add anything back in because I didn't want the pains to come back that I didn't actually start adding things back in for um, a few months. And then I did it very slowly. Um, and most of the things I had to keep out you know. So, what did you find out? You were allergic to. So my body doesn't digest meat um, properly, and um, I have sensitivities to all different kinds of meat, which is also was really interesting. Because talking to my mother about some of these things afterwards, she's like, you know, it's really funny. Growing up, I really had to force feed you to get any like. My parents would like cut up some steak to try to force me like they, I never you wanted had, like, a it. natural aversion to it. Yeah. So it is really interesting because I th- also believe that like we know what we need. And oh, we I say that need. all
0: the time because I've said it on here, too, because I, I said I know everyone says no meat, no this. and I'm like, but some people actually really need it. Everyone's body's different. And my child like reached. I mean, the minute there was a pork rib, even in her vicinity, her hand was like all over it, shoving in her mouth. <laughs> We all laugh. We're like, this girl and me, like, she's obsessed. Like, I never forced it, never pushed it. She was eating it before she had teeth. Like, I wouldn't have even served it to her. She started, like, gumming meat all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> so it was the opposite. Cause you do hear babies who also, like, really don't want to go anywhere near meat. It's the same thing. It's just the opposite reaction. And it's like your body intrinsically kind of knows what it needs, but we don't follow it.
1: Yeah, always. exactly. And, and I, can... especially
0: as parents, we don't always follow what your kid is. Naturally reacting to.
1: Yeah. Like, your your daughter is so lucky to have you that's, like, giving her the space. It was funny. I'm
0: like, oh, you clearly <laughs> love meat, at least at this stage in your life. I mean, it's insane. But it's funny that, like, you were the opposite. You actually didn't like it.
1: Yeah. And so it was interesting to, like, make that. Because then, you know, obviously you just get used to it. And, like, that's what I ate. You know, I just ate what my mom. Yeah, of course. Eat, as you do. But same thing with dairy. Like, so my most severe, the things that cause me those kinds of pains are meat. Um, then I have an allergy to dairy and what that will do is less painful, but it's, I get like a rash on my chest and then my, I get like a ball of hair in my throat, so to speak is how it feels. Um, and I get allergies, mm-hmm. uh, which is common, uh, obviously. And then my least, um, my least allergic thing, but still slightly allergic right. is the gluten. Where um, that's something where like if I just want some pancakes, sometimes I can totally do it, um, and I just end up being wanting to go to bed afterwards, right. and I can't focus. So I don't do it on work days just because, it I lose the day. Right. But um, but it's not as bad as like the other two will really take me out. So and it was interesting. Similarly, like tomatoes, tomatoes. Um, another thing I was didn't like as a child. Like, never wanted any tomatoes. tomatoes. Um, that was also one of the top allergens that I just naturally was not. Tomatoes, peppers, and eggplant are all nightshades. And they're kind of like sneaky, sneaky allergens that, you know, because in general, we think plants. So yeah. you, you think, oh, p- could be allergic, but you can actually be allergic to anything. Yeah. Um, and so I love eggplant. But I've always, my whole life, stayed away from peppers and tomato. So that, was, that wasn't that was causing that much of a reaction because I just never ate it. Right. But that's one of my sensitivities. But
0: it's interesting. I mean, you were saying now people, we can do tests that pretty much tell you you don't have to necessarily do the elimination. But, I mean, I want to stress, like, I think it's important because I feel like people right away are like, Oh, I'm allergic to gluten. Like everyone just says it. And it's like, I, I am such a strong believer that everyone needs to figure out what works for them at different times in their lives all the time and not just follow to follow or think one thing's healthy because they're saying it's healthy now. It might not be the healthiest thing for you. So like, what's your take on that coming in oh this space? Yes.
1: So I have so much I could tell you about no, this. No, please. Like, this could be like a whole book. It's your platform. Here you go. <laughs> Where I do agree with that. And I love that you said, I love that you said also that they should keep checking in with themselves yeah, because, because it's it, not your body's like your bodies
0: change too, don't they?
1: Yeah, your body's change, and so in different seasons, you you will want different things. And oftentimes, sometimes we can even develop a sensitivity to something because we're eating it a lot. So, like I developed a sensitivity to avocado tragically of uh, uh, like a year ago, and I've reversed it since. It's fine. I that just was had me to- with
0: gluten actually a long time ago, and I had to like take gluten and yeast out. And then now I eat it all the time. It's like I eliminated it for a while and now like I don't get any of the reactions I used to get.
1: Yeah. And usually the solution to that is like, yeah, you need to remove it for a minute.
0: Like let your body calm down. Let
1: your body calm down. Let your body like rebuild a bit from it. And then when you have it, just have it like here and there. Because oftentimes, like even with something like avocado, like avocado, but I was eating avocado. I was Call having like time. an avocado every day, <laughs> literally, you know, California, it's hard but, not to. <laughs> but, but I just had to pull back. So now I can have avocado, like if I want guacamole or if I want an avocado on a salad here and there, but I'm conscious about not having it like every single day. So my body has like some more space. But, um, but also I do think the best thing to do is the elimination diet. And I also have an E with intention. I have a thing called a food mood journal for those I know, I love that. who are less extreme. <laughs> um, because I do think it's an important task for everybody to become their own food detective and their own body detective and to really learn like what works for your specific body and learn the different, cause the way our body kind of communicates can be a little bit different for everyone so some people if they eat something that they're sensitive to might get a headache for me one of the first things that happens is i lose focus you know i just start getting like a haze over me right and that'll happen before any of the more painful symptoms does um but you kind of learn your body's language and you learn like the things oh i get like a little like I get tummy bubbles or, you know, like you right. get like everybody has their own like little things. And then you start to be able to listen to it and to know. And I think one of the things I'm always saying is forget labels and listen. I hate that we're like a culture. I get it, but I hate that we're a culture that likes to label everything. Yep. And especially when it comes to our diet, I think it's so detrimental you know, because everybody wants to be able to associate themselves with a tribe, you know, like I'm vegan or I'm paleo or I'm keto or I'm vegan keto or I'm a paleo keto, (laughs) you know, like there's so many crazy things. And I don't think that anything, um, there's a couple things out there that are probably fundamentally wrong, but, but most of the things out there are not fundamentally wrong, but they're not going to work for everyone. Right? They're not necessarily right for you. Yeah. And they're also not necessarily, like you said, with where you're at in your life, you know, so it just it does, especially as women. Right, well, our bodies change and are so cyclical. If you're before having a child, after having a child, depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle, literally will affect the foods that you should be eating. That's
0: so interesting, too. It's fascinating. Maybe we- more sensitive to certain foods, like during your period, than or something like that? absolutely. I mean, I know we cra- like the old fashioned statement is like you crave chocolate or you crave sweets. Is that- so that's part of it.
1: It's part of it, and it's also like the way you. I mean, the way you eat on the lead-up to your period, if you're eating things that you're sensitive to, will act, can actually make your period more intense, right? And there's actually ways to, like, huh. the more you honor your body during, like, that lead-up, um, the more that your period can flow easily.
0: Now, some places people, like, I know in Kundalini Yoga, they're pretty extreme, isn't it? Like, you should be fasting on, like, or is that just moon days? Or is it, like, your lunar cycle, or is it your period, like... Sometimes yeah. they're like you should fast. And I'm like, oh, that's not happening. for me. I'm not, <laughs> a, I'm not a good faster. <laughs>
1: yeah, there totally. Um, in Kundalini, they have on different moon days different like lighter diets you can have, let's right. say. And it'll be like an all, you know, green diet. But I would say I would consider that like that, let's say, the quote unquote Kundalini food regimen is just the same thing as like paleo or vegan or anything like that. Right. Where it's like at your own caution. Right. Like you are the CEO of your body. And so don't let anyone else. I don't care if it's Dr. Oz. I don't care if it's, you know, my brother was at Harvard Medical Center when he was like in the middle of like getting his intestines operated on and literally had the nutritionist at Harvard Medical Center tell him that he should be eating all white refined carbs. Right. And so, I mean, that's just a really extreme example. And of course I, you know, I gave her a piece of my mind in a, <laughs> in a respectful way, but I think, you know, anytime where you're just, you know, taking something and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to pick up this book and this is going to be my Bible and I'm just going to do this, you know, th- no, you know, it's fine to get excited about something. If you're like excited about whole 30 or you're excited about, you know, being vegan or you're excited about being paleo, but there's, a bajillion different ways you could do paleo. And there's a bunch of different ways you could do vegan. And there's uh, a bunch of different ways to, I think all of us are so individual with what our needs are.
0: But then you're like said, it. there's like a societal or like cultural guilt too. It's like, oh, you're vegan, but you do that. Well, that's not really vegan. Or you're pale. that's not pale. And then people, I mean, some people really feel like then they're failing.
1: Oh my God, it is. And it's really hard. It's really hard. Uh, that's real. And I mean, I've gotten some flack about that too because even though you could very much describe the food I eat and all the, the recipes in my book are vegan, I don't, like, I'm a really big proponent of one. I just don't like labeling myself. Right. You know? Same. And I also feel like, that doesn't mean, well, do I think it's a very, is it, do I think everyone should eat more fruits and vegetables? Absolutely, you know? But I think everybody needs to just be listening to their body on a day-to-day basis, checking in with their body. And then from that, you'll formulate what works for you. But it does. It's like part of the process actually is having to deal with other people on the journey. And it's it's kind of frustrating and sad, I guess, that that's a thing. But I think for anything amazing in life, to have anything kind of um, to be sovereign in any area of your life, you kind of have to build up that thick skin to be able to say, hey, I'm listening to my body. Yeah. Uh, I'm listening to my intuition. I'm going with my gut on this one. And for food, it's frustrating because I get it that people want to be a part of the club. And I get it that there's a lot of people in the club that don't like when you flex the rules of the club. <laughs> yep. You know, and there's I... also
0: a knowledge factor, too. I mean, with food, there's a lot to know. So I think it's easier for some people to just follow than to actually start paying attention to what works for them. It's almost more difficult to actually honor yourself than it is to just follow the tribe.
1: Totally. Totally, because you actually have to connect. You actually have to think. You, I actually make people, before they eat check in with themselves
0: so let's talk about that because I like that you said you did it out of desperation but it's something you promote and you do have meditations in your cookbook connected to everything but you literally apologized to your body and then asked it for guidance how do you how do you still till this day talk to yourself or to your body and how would you talk to someone who let's say is not a meditator is not necessarily spiritual but is in a bad place how do you get them to start communicating with their bodies in a way that feels more palatable
1: yeah, totally. So for me, how it looks today is that same kind of check in. And obviously, because I am a meditator, it usually happens around after when I'm meditating. Um, and I'll just, again, like I always put my hand on my heart and my hand on my navel and I'll just tune in and I'll usually after meditating, cause I'm in a nice, like juicy place and I'll just be like, what do you need right now? Um, one of the other things I do is I like using my body as a pendulum. So I'll stand straight up, and I'll you know, I'll imagine whatever, let's say, my question is. Um, so let's say I'm wondering if I should um, eat uh, pancakes versus uh, cashew yogurt for breakfast or something. And I'm like, I don't know. This is what I have in the fridge. And so I'll be like, OK, should I have the pancakes? And I'll think about having the pancakes in my head, and I'll see if my body f- goes forward or goes backwards. Um, and so I'll use that as like a little, like a barometer as a barometer. Um, because our body, like, our body can't lie. It's really beautiful, especially, I mean, that's a little bit tricky cause you have to ask yes or no questions in that. But I think it's like, it's fun when you're going through your food choices to see like if your body's giving you the thumbs up to them. Um, and then also just taking that moment, even if you just start and take that mom- moment to be more mindful, I think I used to, a lot of people tend to live on autopilot because we live in such a world where we're all like doing a thousand different things and trying to, you know, rig as much as possible into our day. So oftentimes you don't realize it, but because one time eight months ago you went to that coffee shop on your block and got like a latte and the croissant. Now you've been having a latte and croissant for eight months for breakfast because that's just what you do. Right. You know, and and or a lot of people, if they work out, they work somewhere, they end up going to like the same three restaurants that they go to with their coworkers. So I'm always trying to get people to go off autopilot and to decide to make a new choice. And so sometimes it's just that moment of like as you're walking to get the latte and the croissant, which, by the way, I've totally had that experience at points in my life where I was like, wait do I really want this? Is this really what my body is going to feel best for the rest of the day by making this choice? Actually, if I just even take that moment to ask that question, I instantaneously know it's not. Right. Right. And most of we're so smart. We don't give ourselves credit. Like we, we fundamentally, if we give ourselves that space, we'll get a yes or no. Right. And then it doesn't mean it's always perfect. So maybe you're like, all right, but I only have five minutes, so I'm just gonna, I'm going to go in the same coffee shop, but I'm going to try the yogurt parfait today instead of the croissant. You know, and you experiment. And you're like, how did that feel?
0: And what do you do with, like, cravings? Like, if like you just said we're not perfect. So what about when you're craving something not great for you? Do you always ask the yes and no? Like, is it always the healthy choice? Or does does your body every once in a while say, yeah, you need to, like, fuck off a little bit and have some fun?
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, cravings, I think, are two twofold. So one of the things with cravings is, yes, I do think... Hey, you have to live a little and you have to, I mean, you should live a lot (laughs) and (laughs) being healthy shouldn't mean that you never get to have things that you love and it shouldn't feel like it's some sort of punishment. And so if you're eating healthy you know, if you're eating, making healthy choices most of the time, which your body will want you to make. So you feel good. Then if you're like, oh my God, it's so-and-so's birthday and they have that amazing, you know, cupcake from baby cakes that I love or whatever, they have that amazing piece of cake, or I really want to go get pasta or whatever it is right now. And even sometimes, like I said, even sometimes if that food makes you a little sleepy or whatnot. I always call it like rigging yourself for su- success and kind of like being, like for me, I love banana pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> I always have, I don't know why it's such a thing. And so I can never like tell myself I can never, ever have hip banana ca- pancakes again. Right. But I just know I don't eat them all the time. And like, what is it? Once, once a month or once every couple of months, it'll be like on a Sunday.
0: And you're on a lazy Sunday. Yeah. When
1: I can be lazy and then it's perfect and it's fine. Um, but with cravings too, I, I also say like sometimes it's better to you, you start learning the things that you can healthify and you learn the things that you just like want the real deal with. And so sometimes if you have like, let's say a favorite chocolate that you really like, you know, sometimes you might just be able to get away with having, you know, like a, like a little cacao and you're, parfait or something or a little hot chocolate or some, some sort of like substitute or whatever. And sometimes you just want that really good chocolate that <laughs> you know, go get it. and you should go get it and get the best kind of it that you can and get something that's like, you know, that's going to hit that spot for you. But with cravings, I always say before you, cause so many, I would get that question all the time. People are like, no, but my body tells me that I need chocolate every night or whatever. And I'm like, that's no, not doesn't. true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, Oftentimes our cravings are indicators of what we're emotionally hungry for huh. and not so actually indicators of what our body is asking us for. If, and a good way to, to judge that, because people are like, how do you know? If you commit to eating three normal meals a day, three meals, and what I mean by that is, you know, doesn't have to be brain surgery. Just like when you look at that meal, is, this, is it reasonable that you would be full? from that meal right three meals like that where you're like I eat I'm satiated I eat I satiate. eat I'm satiated so if you're eating those three meals and you're having cravings in between or after it's emotional and so if you look at that I work with a lot of high-powered women um in my mentoring program so they're like doing all this stuff during the day they're you know lady bosses taking care (laughs) of everything and then almost all of them have a chocolate fix at night Right, and it's sometimes it's a chocolate and wine fix, um, and sometimes they've eliminated the wine, and now it's just like a uh, chocolate and herbal tea fix. Right, um, and what that is, it's really just a craving for sweetness. It's a craving for you know, as women, especially I'm just one example, we naturally crave like to melt, to like be in our feminine, to and you know now if you're someone that runs a company or has a lot on your plate, you are more in your masculine energy during the day. You're like getting stuff done. You're like doing things. You're busy, 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 go, go, go. And so what our body's actually craving is a moment of peace by ourselves. Our body's actually craving sweetness from us, you know, and wants us to be sweet to ourselves. And so I always uh, find that if you come up with some sort of, substitute that's actually filling the actual craving, then the craving goes away. So for a lot of times at night, I'll be like, hmm, would it help you to do 15, 20 minutes of restorative yoga by candlelight, right? As have your husband watch the kid or, you know, just make that little moment. We We actually need 20 minutes. Um, to go from the one operating system to the next operating system. So finding something that just for 20 minutes can help you flip that switch into sweetness. I take baths every night, I know that's not practical for everyone, but like that's something that like at the end of the day, it's like me taking care of myself, even if it's just having like a cup of tea and allowing yourself to read a book or journal or, you know, have a, have a sweet moment, right? with yourself or, or with your partner.
0: Right. No, but I love this. What are some of the opposites? So let's say you actually use more of your feminine energy all day. You're like a nurturer. And then what food would you might emotionally be craving that could be signal more your
1: masculine energy? So, um, I would say the the opposite of that, I don't know if this is distinctly masculine, but I would say oftentimes then you crave more salty foods. Hmm. So it's like you crave more, or I call them fun foods, spicy foods. Yeah. So you could maybe crave like potato chips or guacamole or maybe, um some sort of spicy food, right? I kind of think of it as like anything you think is like maybe like party food, <laughs> you know? And and that's usually our craving for, for more fun or more movement or more like action in our life, which is I think the flip side of that. So oftentimes what you actually want is maybe to take more initiative at work or maybe what you actually want is to go dancing with your girlfriends or maybe what you actually want is to... And go to a fun event or something, you know, to do something like to more of outward to do things. Um, but instead, it's we fill that void sometimes with being like, oh, well, I'll have my own little party and like order a pizza and watch Netflix.
0: It's so interesting that food's like the first layer of like whatever we're thinking.
1: Oh my gosh, it's, well, I mean, just that one thing I said, I think when I was um, doing the work, because even though that whole experience shifted me into a better place with my body, I still did a lot of work to recover from my disordered habits. And that was one of the things I did was just, as simple as that, committing to eating three meals a day that were like solid meals, um, without snacks. And I challenge anyone that's listening, if they want to see their emotional eating habits to just do that one thing, it sounds so simple. It will blow your mind if you do it for even a week, because you'll realize how many times you want food for like to either a, not feel an emotion to not feel stressed, to distract yourself because you're bored like all different things and so what happens is we don't realize how much we use food as an anesthetic to life and so you start having to deal with these things that you're feeling when you remove the food and and this way it's like oh you start noticing oh, wow, I'm actually, I am craving more of my feminine. Oh, wow, I am craving more interaction with my friends. Or well, I am craving, like, more excitement in so my just life. just one week, if you even do it for one just week. Just one week. You'll start noticing it. You'll start noticing it. Um, even with, like, and, and it goes for, like, in between, uh, like, coffees and stuff, too, because we do it with coffee, too. Um, so
0: interesting. Because it is true. It's like, I can be, I can be a snacker.
1: Yeah, and I just find that I work from home some days and I'm like now so like in that habit, that it's not as much of a thing. But I will notice that the time when I want to get up and like search around my fridge that I know what's in it already. Oh, I always joke. <laughs> I'm like as if magically new things are going right? to appear. You're I'm always like, like I- you go back like four times. You're like
0: nothing new got in there because I didn't go shopping. Right?
1: I'm like, oh, where are the elves that's supposed to drop know, off my I almond know. butter? Um, and I know that it's usually, it'll be because I'm stressed out about an email that someone sends. And I want to distract it. Or what I started noticing when uh, when I first did it was when I was in my early 20s. So I started noticing that, like, I just, I was so scared to feel my feelings. And so I would just, I would either hide it with, you know, in my disorder, you can do the opposite, right? You hide it by not eating or you hide it by working out. And you But for most people, um, you hide it by eating stuff. And it doesn't even have to look like a crazy binge or anything like that you know sometimes also like if you're craving home and family and like connection oftentimes you'll go you'll binge on something or you'll eat something that you don't need to eat let's say that reminds you of your childhood right? If your mom always made chocolate chip cookies or like me and my little brother growing up, we used to always sneak the raw cookie dough whenever my mom made oh my a God. That, that might be my favorite thing. That was that our thing. Like French fries. Right. French fries are my favorite thing. Me too. But I have no excuse for childhood on that one. I know. Me neither. <laughs> I just love French fries. <laughs> and I just like, I always say, I like a good
0: fried potato in <laughs> almost any form. Potato, potato toddle work too. <laughs>
1: Same here. I'm a potato girl. I am too. Love a potato. Maybe it's
0: a Jersey thing.
1: Could be a Jersey thing. I always think about it too. Um, as, like, for me, I always like the grounding of it. That would make sense. Like, I feel like I always need that grind. I tend to be, and it's funny because we were talking. I love like, root vegetables. Root All. Same here. Love. And it could be because we were talking briefly before we started this. It's about, like, how we both have a lot of ideas and we have a lot of things going on in our minds, which is a very, like, airy quality. Yeah. To, like, constantly be creative and thinking about ideas. So most creative people, um, Especially like I would call myself almost compulsively creative.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, me too. It's like I have to. Say, we were saying it earlier because you asked me how do you get more bandwidth. I'm like I have to tell myself I don't have the bandwidth because it's like otherwise I'd want to create a million things at one time.
1: Which is essentially like grounding yourself, yeah. or like anchoring yourself down, right? Yeah. And so that's what root vegetables do for us is they help anchor us down. So you'll notice like people like us that ha- like have a lot of, you know, we're in our heads in the, like the idea space a lot that we crave more grounding foods because it helps us, it helps us focus. It helps us, you know, pare oh, down so and like do the things. Whereas let's say someone that is feeling less creative um, and let's say more grounded. So that would manifest as, let's say a more practical person. Yeah. Um, if they want to start feeling more creative, then they, they might start craving more raw foods or lighter foods, right? And that's why a lot of people, if you tend to eat a really heavy diet, um, if you try a juice cleanse or even go on like a raw food detox or something like that, you know, you notice that, oh my God, all of a sudden these creative ideas are flowing again. And so it's interesting because we all have our own natural constitutions when it comes to that. But like uh, for me and you, I'm sure I notice it completely when I eat what I'm like eating Accidentally eating raw because we live in California. So you're like getting a smoothie here, a salad here, or yep. not. And then I'm like off to the races, my head. There's like so many things it's going just on. It's really
0: so interesting. I mean, I love that we've actually had a really long conversation about food and n- we haven't really, it's not really been about calories. It's not been really about gaining weight or losing weight. It's actually been all about mood, emotion, and kind of brain activity, which is fascinating to actually, which I love. It's just, it's been more about that connection of like the mind with the food.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, is I, so I specifically don't focus on that kind of stuff because one, because of my path with disordered eating, like, I don't and I think most women, I think a lot of us have a really like whether you want to say that you ever had an eating disorder or not, I think most of us have interesting yes. Yeah, you've had some interesting relationships yeah. with food in your body. I think it, to be human is to have that condition. Um, and so I always find if you're listening to your body and you're focusing on the things that make you feel good, the things that make you happy, if you're focusing on the things that bring you mental clarity and help like balance you in that way, then your body naturally moves towards the the place it wants to be. Right. Your body wants to be in it wants to be in a state of I like to call radiance, right? Where you have energy where you don't have excess, like, you know, excess weight around. And it's when you focus on that, then it's um it's funny, there's this line from A Course in Miracles that is the body heals when you're not looking at it. <laughs> and yep, I love that. I would say it's like the, you know, all that gets taken care of when you're focusing on this other stuff, right? When you're focusing on, oh, how can I eat to feel my best? How can I eat to feel happy? How can I eat so that, you know, um, from a place of self-love and self-nourishment and wanting to be, you know, the, the best version of this physical body that I can be in that emotional way, then the rest of it, um, can take care of itself.
0: Sorry for the interruption, but it is that time again to talk about our next Dent Talks Live. These are getting bigger, so you've got to reserve your spot. They are so exciting and you always get so much information about it. I'm really pumped about this next one because it's our very own Jason Moten. It's trans spiritual, and we were talking about his transgender journey. We are going to dig into this it's not just about being transgender it's all about identity what does that even mean in the spiritual world how do these two interlink what does it mean for anyone who's just looking inward and trying to figure out who they are what does it mean when that gets met with certain expectations we're going to dive deep we're going to get into it reserve your spot it's september 7th saturday at la brea see you there we get a question all the time. How can I become a teacher? How can I learn more about meditation? I just want to know more. I want to go deeper. I want my practice to be stronger. Our teacher training program has been incredible. Now look, if you want to be a teacher, this is perfect for you, but also if you're just craving to have a stronger practice and understand more about everything that it means and signifies and where it comes from, this is the perfect program for you. We offer it in modules so that you can make it flexible if that's what you need for payment or schedule. We're here for you to make it work. Our next one is starting in September. It's with Heather Preet, Hillary Jackendoff, and H Bardwatch. These teachers are incredible. They are senior teachers at the Den. Don't miss this opportunity. Go to denteachertraining.com and sign up. And I love it. And look, your book is Eat With Intention, which is all of this. How do you also put intention into like the rest of your life?
1: Oh, everything. I'm like an attention uh, um, addict, I guess, where it comes from and it comes back from um, joking around in my earlier days when I was like looking at spells as a child. Right. Love it. I think, you know, what's a spell? A spell is really just doing something with intention. Right. If you think about it, we infuse our own power into anything. So I always like to say that I'm always casting spells so you can, you know, on the let's say on the drive over here. Right. In L.A. they're driving a lot. So you can set intentions for your drive. You know,
0: Give me examples what you do.
1: Um, So, for instance, let's say like today is actually. Jupiter's and in Sagittarius today. It's a very lucky day today. Ooh, I feel right. lucky. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a great day. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just standing in the space. Like for this whole drive, I'm just going to like be celebrating all the amazing things that are coming in. And some of the things I was celebrating are things that I've already come in. And some of the things I'm celebrating are things that I'm hoping to come in. Um, and so I just let the intention of that drive being allowing myself to bask in that good energy and celebrate it. But it could also be, for instance, uh, when I do my laundry, um, when I do my laundry, I'm like, okay, I'm washing out any, any of the bad energy of the past week, anything that was weighing me down, any, anything like that. And then I feel like a lightness and the cleanliness when I bring it back. Uh, cleaning is, I love obviously cleaning with intention, um, Taking showers with intention. Taking showers are, like, I think one of my favorite magic magic things where you can go into a shower and just set the intention, I'm going to wash away any anxiety that I have right now. That's I'm, beautiful. I'm going to wash away any, you know, if there's something that's just, like, kind of nagging at you or pulling at your heart or something like that you can go into the shower and just like i'm just letting this this water like physically wash it from my cells and release it from my body and i don't need to hold on to it anymore and we
0: are so powerful and people don't realize that like i feel like we all people take it for granted that you actually have the power to remove that anxiety the power to shift your perspective the power to feel any way you want, whether it be through your intention of how you're eating or showering. And I it's interesting, just that that small little shift of thought and putting intention to something really just emboldens you to like controlling your life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it goes, it's the same exact thing as like the, the food conversation where it's like reclaiming your power. And this whole book is literally like, please reclaim your, your power. Right. Right. And it's the same thing when we do anything with intention. It's like what all these, um, let's say like if you go to a healer outside of you or you get a crystal or you, you know, you do all these things, even you, you know, you, you reach for something outside of you. Um, Oftentimes we reach for something outside of us because it's just a symbol of what we're capable of but we haven't like completely owned that part of us yet. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the more we own how magical we are or how powerful we are, then the more we actually get to see that in our life. And I think, you know, it goes back to as simple, like the people who say like, you can choose, like you choose to be happy. But you Uh, do. But you do. And you know, I've suffered from bouts. I've had bouts of depression. I've had sad things happen in my life and stuff like that. So I totally understand when people are like, no, but, but at the end of the day, like even in my saddest moments, I, I was like, okay, maybe I know I'm actively choosing to not be happy right now, Yeah, right? I'm going to allow myself to be here and I'm allowing myself to feel that, but. Or sometimes
0: it's allowing yourself to feel sad and be in it, but also know that you're part of a bigger thing that when you're ready. Yeah. You can come out.
1: When you're ready.
0: Because you do have to be sad too. You have you to have like to, own that stuff.
1: I think feeling all the feelings is part of being human too. and is fun. And it can be fun in a way if you get if you think about it in that way. But don't
0: you feel like I have, I know people who, you know, you just see these complaints whether it be like on Facebook or whatever. It's like, ugh, this person like blames everyone. This person's so awful and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, everyone's always like, well, cut that person out of your life. But sometimes <laughs> I, I really want to like, I cringe a little bit because I'm like, take the power back. Or it's like, I have a lot of people who are like, I've been mom-shamed, and they get really angry. I'm like, you're only mom-shamed when you let someone mom-shame you. Who gives a shit? Like, if you're doing something that you're okay with, who cares what anyone else thinks? Like, you want people to take the power back. I'm like, those emotions only get created when you allow what they're going through to affect you. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean every single person is healthy to be around. I'm not saying that. Sometimes you have to, like, pick and choose the people you want to spend your time with, of course. But
1: there is an element
0: of people not owning their own power.
1: Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's one of the, the, one of the quotes that like changed my life when I was in my early twenties was, um, everything is happening for you, not to you. And, oh, I love that quote. You know, and I feel like I also spent most of my, you know, I was such an anxious, like teenager to early 20s person who always felt like I was like, like I was at the mercy of the world. Right. Why does this always keep happening to me? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh, like, of course that would happen to me. You're like, you had to do that, you know? And, and it's when,
0: hard because when you're on the outside, you want to shake the person because you can see what little shifts that person can make for those things to stop happening to them. Right. But when you're in it, it's, and really it's hard. And it's
1: also, it's how you look at everything. It's, I mean, I think when you decide to be empowered by everything that's happening in your life, you can make everything in your life empowering, work for you, even the Uh, shitty stuff. Exactly. And it's not going to be, you know, I think sometimes people think that like nothing like funky ever happens to me. And that's a lie. You know, I have like just as much funky stuff that happens to me than as, as anyone else. But like, you, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example that happened recently. But I had something happen actually just last week, and I had a little moment around it because I was like, oh, wow, I remember, I can't even remember what it was. Maybe someone wanted a refund for something. I don't know. It was just like one of those like little, oh, you know, okay, now I'm remembering. I was, <laughs> I was like, what was the thing? Um, it was this thing I was supposed to film. It was a cool uh, video series I was going to film with a big company um, that I was really excited about. They loved everybody on the team. I went to New York for all the meetings, and it was supposed to be all set, good to go. And then randomly, Um, to them as well. Like the client kind of decided they were having second thoughts at the last, not about me, but about the video series in general. And so I got that email, um, right before Thanksgiving and, and I was like, all right. And okay. And I'm like, I don't know why, but maybe I wasn't supposed to do it or maybe I'm supposed to do it another day. And it was so funny because afterwards I had that moment where I was like, wow, like five years ago, that would have destroyed my Thanksgiving. I would have made that mean that, like, I you know, I wasn't good enough. And that, right. Or,
0: and it's so not worth it And it has nothing to do with you. And
1: it, not, it has nothing and to do anything, with it. And if anything,
0: could be helping you. You have no clue. It could exactly. be setting you free to be able to do the thing that you're supposed to be doing or yeah, I, I'm with you too.
1: And I think when you start thinking that way, then it's like even those things that you're like, how could you see that as a good thing? Well, I mean, even if it's like you said someone um, – I get sometimes people will give me flack for something I say, right? But I always think I actually got uh, someone <laughs> DM'd me once on Instagram because I also curse. Um, and that's a Jersey thing too. There's, it, we can't get around it, people. Like, it's authenticity. We're born, we're born with it. <laughs> it's true. And I usually I curse when I'm excited. Oh, you know? I love
0: to curse. I mean, if you listen, I curse. Someone will be on. I curse all the time. I can't help
1: it. So I was excited about something that was going on, and I was like, I'm so fucking excited about right. this! I can't wait to tell you about it, and. I got, a, like, a whole, whole, like, letter from someone on Instagram being, like, I really loved you. I've followed you for years now, but I can't believe that you would curse, da, 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 this whole big thing. And I was like, oh, I'm so grateful for this because it made me realize how okay I am with cursing. Yeah. It made me realize how okay I am with that aspect. And so I would even say, actually, you know, when we were just going back to what we were talking about with people with food, right, the more people give me flack about, you know, not wanting to necessi- like about wanting to listen to my body and not necessarily wanting to overly identify with any sort of tribe, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, the more it affirms that that's my truth.
0: I mean, that's so right. I think the more people in life can,
1: yes, the, again, and
0: it's taking your power back. The more you actually feel the power by people like not getting you or being annoyed at you or rejecting you, the more you know you're almost in the right place. Because for that one person who rejected you, so many people love you for that.
1: Absolutely. And it showed them more of who I am. And I think it's just with anything in our life, it's like being honoring our truth and being unapologetically us will get us closer to the people that we really meant to be with, the people that were really meant to like be our tribe. And so just owning that, whether that's in food or it's in cursing, or it's in how you dress, or it's in your choices. I know, the cursing thing, I've always (laughs) been like that, and my parents are not, they do not curse at all, they did not
0: like it, I got punished for it, so it's not like I learned it from them at all, it's just, and my brother's not really like that, it's just very me, I've always been like that, and it's hard for me, I realize even this weekend with all the kids around, I'm like cursing, like blah blah blah, like I've but decided it, already with my child. I have to tell her when you get to a certain age, you can curse when you want to. <laughs> I try and like refrain, but it just slips out all the time.
1: Yeah, and it's like life's too short to not be yourself. And that's how
0: I express myself. Yeah, I'm it's not saying how, you have to do it that way. No one has to, but for some reason, that's but how I, I tend to express myself. We all
1: have our own little like weird. I don't even know if I'd call it weird. Yeah, but we all have our own little quirks like that. And I think the more that we own them, then the more that when I also think it's a gift every time we own them because we're giving other people permission to own their stuff. Because I think about, like, as many people as I've gotten who have, you know, probably, who I know have written me some pretty horrible emails, let's say, (laughs) about my choices, um, it's just so interesting
0: that people take the time <laughs> out of their day to bitch about someone else's choices. I always wonder that. I'm like, what? why do you kid- just don't do those choices? Well, it goes, <laughs> it's,
1: it's the same thing. And it goes straight back to your Facebook talk, too. And I see, we see this a lot yeah. on social media where it's like, you know, we're spending so... so in general, people spend a lot of time judging other people and criticizing other people and, like, pointing wagging their finger at other people. And I'm just like, well, but what are you doing? Right. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Because I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to, like... I you know, I, I have to schedule my post for all the things I want to post about to share about good things. And I don't have the time to just like randomly, like judge someone for their life choices in the middle of a Wednesday.
0: I know it's, it's fascinating. People really get off on it though. They
1: do. They do. But I think that's also, you know, just for anyone who's listening, that also goes through that in some degree, whether it's personally in your life or publicly, I think, you know, I always like, say a prayer for people like that
0: oh I do too because you know they're not happy
1: you know that there's
0: something much bigger going on my friend's going through a divorce and it's getting ugly because there was some cheating involved and what a crap look, crap happens as you get older and you know it's not easy and there's always two sides of every story and she and I told her I'm like look this year is gonna be really hard for you there's gonna be people talking and they're gonna be talking a lot and, and she's like and she's calling me she's like I know it's so awful and, people talk. and I'm like Look, the ones that are like I go there's ones who don't talk at all, who don't give a shit, and those are the happy ones. Yep. I go they might be like, "Oh, that happened? Oh, interesting." Like for one second their like interest might be peaked, but then it, like they move on because they're actually happy. Then there's the people who are actually probably really jealous of everything that happened because they're not happy and they're miserable and what for whatever reason and they're the ones who won't shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that's what you have to remember. I told her at one point I'm like if it gets really bad and someone's like talking in front of you just say, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like has nothing ever happened in your life that you like struggled with. "Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't realize."
1: Cuz that's like what it is it's just yes.
0: like we all have shit and but some people love to really just sit in it and like mix it around and talk about it and flip it And
1: <laughs> yeah no it's so true and yeah and a lot of times like I said when people are when people are doing that it's because they're not self-expressed themselves yeah because if
0: you are happy and self-expressed yourself usually you could give a shit what other yeah. people are doing you're there for them if they want help or advice or support but you usually like it's their mistakes to make or their life to live or their choices to have whatever they
1: are Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I completely agree with that. And then such a big, yeah, just the amount of pressure that we all have from quote unquote society or social media and stuff like that. It's like, I think that's one of the biggest tools we can all use to just come back into our authentic selves is like what, you know, how can I just own who I am and actually me and my one of my girlfriends talked about this years ago when it came to dating, but it applies to everything in life. We used to say that we would trade in being loved for being liked because we would try to do all, like, you know, on a date or whatever, you'd try to be like the girl that you think he wants. You know, you try to be like sweet or whatever, and I'm not going to curse too much because my mom said that's unattractive. <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to like be too aggressive about business because I heard that's not attractive. And, and and before you know it, you don't even know the person that showed up for the date because right. certainly not you, or you end up in a relationship. Are <laughs> you going to be in a person, relationship? the worst because then <laughs> you're then like, ah, who the fuck am I? <laughs> you're trapped. You're trapped. And I think we see that on a large scale with social media too, where or, or with like, let's say, you know. W- just in general with everybody being on social media with Facebook and stuff like that, even if you're not like doing it for a business that people are like, oh no, I can only show this and I only want to show that and da, da, da. And then before they know it's like, wait, it's okay. Like, h- how do you know who your real friends are? Your real friends are the ones you don't have to, like, put on any ears with. Your real yeah. friends are the ones that know that, like, you, like, eat popcorn with peanut butter and, like, <laughs> you know, whatever, wear socks, like, around the house. I don't know. Like, it's, like, the, those are the people that know, like, your weird stuff. Those are the people that really love you. Yeah. Because you can't love someone. You can't, like, fully – I feel like you can't love someone if you don't – if you're not only getting, like, the light version of them. Right. And I think all of us, you know, we we a lot of us trade in our love for being liked by doing those little things to make ourselves more many and then not really palatable. Palatable. When in reality I think we're all we're helping everyone those little moments you take for yourself when you like say, no, hey, I don't care if you hate that I have a buzz cut. I love that I have a buzz cut <laughs> or like, I don't care if, you, you know, if, you know, I decided that I eat mostly vegan, but every once in a while I'm going to allow myself to have a slice of pizza or whatever your like thing is, you know, like when you do that stuff, you're also allowing other people to reclaim their power. And allowing other people to to own up and to speak for what they want um, and for who they are. And
0: it's so rigid having to live in so many rules that are not imposed for any other reason but, like, for society or what you think are right. You're not even listening to what your own rules should be.
1: It's such a cause for deep happiness and uh, deep unhappiness. And I think that's why we see more depression now, like, than ever related to social media is because people, because it, because there's just such, I think one of the fundamental, I read about this a few years ago and like completely forgetting where I read it, but one of the fundamental like desires we have is for like the, oh, you know what? Tony Robbins talks about this. Um, how like you have, we all have a little blueprint for like how our life should be going and we compare it to how our life is. Right. And so when we're trying to be something that we're not, our blueprint is something that we're fundamentally not. Right. Right. And so we we can't be happy. It's almost like we booby trapped ourselves out of happiness because you'll never be able to be like you'll never be able to be the thing someone that you're not. Like I'll never I'll I'll never be uh you know, a girl that can eat a bunch of bacon cheeseburgers and um and never curse or someone that could I'll never be someone that could not meditate and not be anxious, right? you know, or whatever. You know, like it's like just if you have this like unreal standard that you're trying to live up to that's not you because you want, you think that's what people are going to like.
0: But also it's interesting as you talked a lot about like with your intention, what I like is because some people confuse intention and like manifestation, you know what I mean, Mm. a little bit. yeah. And then it becomes all about like these quote-unquote wishes that you want in your life. I think it loses the purpose versus... I think a lot of what you've been talking about, which I love, is when you live with intention and you start figuring out how to make the most, basically, of every moment and what you have and who you are is when happiness just follows. Same thing. It's like in your life, like you said, wherever you are, it's beautiful. Even if it seems really shitty right now or something horrible is happening, you have to assume there's either something you're learning or... It's horrible because maybe you lost someone you love, but how wonderful that you had someone that you loved. Like there, like what is, even if it's just a small little ray of light, what is that ray of light you can hold on to? How can you see the beauty? How can you live in it? It's so much better than people who are always like, well, I'll be happy when, or when I get this, or once I have this, or once this fight is cleared up, we'll be great. You know, instead of just owning the moments and who you are, like you said, and not being Letting the Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat freak you the fuck out because your life doesn't look like that. It's like, well, what does your life look like? No matter what it is, doesn't mean it's always going to look that way. It actually probably will not always look that way because none of our lives stay static, for yeah. good and for bad. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. It's like if you can ride the now, you're just going to be happier.
1: It's so true. And I think that's one of those things, um, that great Jim Carrey quote, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so that they would know that's not the answer. Yes. You know? And it's like that, whatever your version of rich and famous is. like, you're like, oh, when I have the awesome husband or, oh, when I make the million dollars or, oh, when, you know, I have six pack, six pack or whatever your, like, thing is. It's like, yeah, you're putting your happiness outside of yourself. And the truth is, is if you're not happy now, you won't be happy when you get it. Right. Like, because you'll be the same person. And so I think the best thing you can do is figure out who that person is, who that person is and be happy now. Right. And, and figure out, cause being happy is something that, I mean, that's what we should be taught that in school. We should be taught practices for how to work on our mental health and and how to choose happiness and to also know that there's nothing wrong with us when we wake up and we're sad or we wake up and we're anxious or, you know, that it's like normal. And that's why everyone has to kind of build happy muscles. Um, And yeah, no, it's true. And I think uh, I love what you said about the ups and the downs. It's like, there's always going to be, there's always going to be ups. There's always going to be down. I always say life is seasonal. Yep. So the the trick to being in race ha- coasters, we
0: like seasons. I do like <laughs> seasons. I was so
1: lucky to get some snow when I was back in New York. Oh, no, I like it too. But it's true. It's like when you honor, it's funny because I, I also teach new moon and full moon meditations. And I say this with the moons too, um, with astrology. But it's like when you honor the season that you're in, then you can utilize it. Right, then you can enjoy it. So if you're in a winter right now and you're making hot cocoa and you're making a nice chili and you're you know cozying up with your Entire. family, right? Then there can be some awesomeness to be had in winter. And, you know, in the winter I would say if you're in a winter in your life, then that looks like maybe maybe your job's not that busy, or maybe you don't have a job right now, or maybe you don't have that relationship right now. But what can you do? Those are great times to like learn hobbies, read books, like take up all that self care time because this summer is always coming. And then in the summer you're, you have a bunch of events going on. Everything's happening. Everything's going on. You know, we all have all these, you know, we have the literally the fall when you like let go of stuff in your life, when things are releasing. And if you can honor that I'm just in the fall, I'm in a period of releasing right now. Things are moving around and they're taking shape. And, and I'm learning from that or like I'm in a summer and like I remind myself when, you know, I love summer. I have like a, a love-hate relationship with summer. I love summer, but sometimes summer can get really crazy because you yep. have a lot of stuff going on in summer. Yep. And you're like, it's okay. Enjoy the craziness right now because it'll be winter down. and it'll be fall. And then same thing in winter. It's funny because I'm, I'm going to bet that you have this similar thing too, that because we are used to summers, when it's winter, I feel like I can truly cherish it.
0: Oh, I love it! No, like now, I I miss the season so much. It's so true. If there's even one foggy day here, I'm like, oh my god, can I please yes. have a book and a fire and a couch and just <laughs> the like...
1: last time we had like a mist, I canceled plans so I could read and make soup. No, exactly. <laughs>
0: it's like you feel like you have to take advantage of that mood. There's like certain smells that will evoke it for me. Same thing. But I again, it's so beautiful. Of like wherever you are. There is beauty in it, even if you can't see it right away. And like you said, it's a happy muscle. So the more you exercise the happy muscle, the more you'll see the beauty in wherever you are.
1: Yeah. And the more you can find the fruits of that season, right? Because it's like whether, you know, there are some of the, the more difficult times in our life are usually the times when we're growing the most. We have the most to learn. And so it's it's like, okay, how can I, how can I, how can I utilize the gold in this season that I'm in right now. And so, you know, in your summer, you're trying to expand your bandwidth and take (laughs) care of yourself, you know, in your winter. Like, in my winter is when I'm like resting and taking care of myself. Maybe I'm like learning a new hobby. Maybe I'm reading books. Maybe I'm writing books. Um, Like writing a book is a great thing to do in the winter. Um, but, But really honoring whatever that is, like even being in that, you know, um, I went through a, a horrible breakup a couple of years ago, and I remember even in that moment, even though, of course, I was sad and I did all the normal things you do, you know, but there was also this moment of like, oh, this is kind of beautiful. This is like a complete reinvention of myself.
0: That's how I always looked at breakups too. I mean, they were awful and that pit in your stomach, and the, uh, and I remember feeling all of it. I never wouldn't, I would never avoid it. I would always go through it. But I was also like, okay, great time. I get to reconnect with my friends in a bigger way. Like I can go have, like whatever things I know I'd been missing or craving. Like I can now go control that and like make it happen. Like I can go and make all that happen. I don't know. I feel like there's. Sometimes I look back, my breakups end up being some of the most fun times of my life Oh my god! because of the things I'm doing with my friends just to like have a good time. And I'm like, oh, they end up being really fun because I'm like looking for that companionship, looking for that friend, like looking for that support and really making a point of like, how can I look at what's good right now? And so you end up because you're working so hard to do that, you end up having like a beautiful time. I've met some really incredible friends through those moments actually.
1: Yes. Yes, and it's just like I completely agree. I feel like I changed for the good with every breakup. Me too. And me learned too. more about myself. And I think you could, whether it's a breakup or it's a, you know some other thing that goes on in life, right? You change. Like even just like like my brother's illness, right? Like having a having a loved one that's in the hospital or going through like health crisis. It's like yes, on no level, like would I ever choose that to happen or want that to happen? But I mean, it completely changed me as a person completely changed who I was and there was there there you know in that situation that I was forced to be in because of how things happen whatever I became a woman that I don't think I would have been without him you know when I wrote this book actually it was really beautiful because I didn't realize I was so busy like being sure he was alive <laughs> right. that I never like thought to communicate with him But when I wrote the book and I dedicated it to him, I called him and I told him, I was like, I don't think you realize that like during that period of time, like I fundamentally changed as a human and like everything I have in my life right now is because of that journey that we had. And so, and I would consider that as like one of the the worst things like that have happened.
0: That's so nice. It's beautiful.
1: But if we look at those things and it's like, it gives us that time for... There is growth, and obviously I'm I'm with you, feeling all the feelings, <laughs> feel all the feelings, feel all the feels. Um, but know that there is you know there's lemonade to be made.
0: I love that. Let's do your four U's
1: really quickly. Okay. Favorite book. Um, favorite book is probably The Alchemist by Paulo Colo. I can read that um, over and over again.
0: Didn't he self publish that originally? Am I think he. I think he did. It's always fascinating, right? And it's
1: like and it's epic.
0: Yeah. Um, inspirational teacher.
1: Marianne Williamson,
0: incredible. Do you journal or have any other daily practice?
1: I do journal. I love journaling daily, and I also obviously I meditate daily, and I also do EFT daily.
0: That's tapping for people Tappy. who don't know. So you're like, I mean, that's a whole another conversation. Yeah, it's a whole another <laughs> conversation.
1: yeah. But it's tapping. So, but yeah, I'm a big daily ritual girl.
0: Um, favorite self care hack.
1: Favorite self care hack is nature. So even when I was living in New York City, I was I would have to like go out to a park and, like, put my feet down in the park. I know it's was probably dirty, but, like, I didn't care. Um, and I would go and, like, journal outside on, like, the grass. Wait,
0: what do they call it now? Now there's a word for it. Grounding. Grounding. That's right. <laughs>
1: and it's, like, it has all these crazy health benefits um, now that they're discovering it. But it was just instinctive to me. Um, living in a city, I really needed that. And now I'm super spoiled living in Santa Monica. But going to the beach. Um, going to the beach. I can go to the beach for... An hour, just like, I'll just meditate, just like pretty much space out to the to the water. Um, and I am, a new like my entire nervous system is rebooted. That's incredible. It's Yeah, so I say nature, getting out in nature, getting sunlight and fresh air, I think is the biggest hack.
0: By the way, the sun is so, I mean, we, we again, everything's so underrated. We don't right? realize how important everything is. And here's what I love about our conversation. I feel like you gave so many practical tools for people that even might be like, I'm not talking to my body. Like, I feel like you still gave like a lot of things that people can do to start getting to know themselves. And I think what we ultimately came to is like, you guys, if you know yourself, everything's going to get easier, which is what we do here at the den. It's what it's all about. So I love this conversation. It's just, you know, you're your own CEO. Like you said, you're the CEO of your body. I always say you're the CEO of yourself. Like, so it's amazing the minute you can take control and own yourself and have that and bring back the power. It changes everything.
1: It changes everything. And I think the biggest, like the biggest hack for that is meditation is having that conversation with yourself. And if you're not ready to meditate, then journaling, you know, um, doing those little practices, being alone with yourself in nature, just getting into that habit of actually communing with yourself, asking yourself like, "Mm, like if you're the CEO, yo, ask yourself about everything. Yeah, and be
0: okay when the answer isn't what everyone else is doing or saying. Yeah. Or it just looks different. Like, that's okay. Different
1: is good. I often say, like, when the answer sounds, like, weird or bizarre, then that's when I know it's right. Right, because <laughs> like, why would that come in my head? That's so <laughs> funny. I mean, thank you so much
0: for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And you guys, she's still going to do her personal practice, which is an inner rock star meditation. And if you haven't subscribed, please do. Also, please register a view. It really is helpful. And join our closed Facebook group den Talk's podcast because we always have really fun conversations on there and i feel like there's so many we can have about this and i want to hear you guys should all take some of these challenges and tell us how it goes
1: yes please please
0: yeah and and we have her book eat with intention and i mean it's incredible it's beautiful like i said there's meditations recipes great honestly a lot of the stuff we talked about it goes into way more detail in here as well so pick one of those up as well
1: thank you yeah
0: no thank you thank you so much for your time Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. It has been fun. Mm -hmm. So now Cassandra is going to do her personal practice, which is an inner rock star meditation.
1: Thank you. All right, guys. So get into a nice, comfortable position where you can be still, and then just place your hands facing up, palms facing up, on your knees. Close your eyes. And let's just start by taking some nice deep breaths in your nose, out your mouth, just allowing your breath to really sink you in to your body, to where you are today, energetically. Just allowing your breath to wash away any thoughts or any noise in your head. It's okay if you notice something, just let it pass on by like a cloud and then just use your breath to anchor you back into yourself. Feeling your shoulders melt down and your forehead soften. With each breath, just feeling yourself surrender a little bit more. Just enjoying the nourishment of every breath of the stillness. And then keep yourself in the space with your breath and we're gonna go on a guided visualization. Imagining your best day You showing up as your most rock star self. So think about you being completely fully expressed, living a day that you could only dream of. Whichever you want and whatever arises as we move through, just allow it to come up. There's no wrong way to do this. There's no wrong day or no wrong you that could emerge. Everything is perfect. So gently, you're seeing yourself first thing in the morning, waking up on this beautiful day, and you're in your bedroom, underneath the covers, and those first few sights, just looking around your room as you wake up, taking a few nice breaths there in bed, and just feeling this overwhelming feeling of gratitude throughout your body, for this beautiful day ahead of you that you are so excited for, and looking around your bedroom and just noticing, what does your comforter look like? What do the walls look like? Is there a scent in the air? Almost like a little fly on the wall, noticing all the details. And then slowly you're getting up and you're going into your morning routine and just allowing yourself to watch whatever morning routine unfolds, not trying to be the creative director here, but allowing whatever arises to arise as your most expressed happy self goes about their morning are they meditating? Are they reading the newspaper? Are they going for a run? Are they talking to a family member? Just allowing yourself to see. And then slowly, perhaps now you're making breakfast. What are you having for breakfast? How are you making it? Why did you choose? that particular breakfast are you making it for other members of your family or for a partner or are you by yourself maybe you're listening to a fun song as you're making a smoothie just watching this beautiful movie of yourself being in your zone in your element honoring what feels good to you And then getting dressed for the day, noticing what you put on, what kind of clothes this rock star version of you is wearing that makes them feel empowered, that makes them feel excited to go to their first meeting of the day. And then when you're ready, doing whatever you need to do to get ready for work. Maybe you're leaving the house for that first meeting. Maybe you're going to an office, perhaps you're staying at home and answering emails on your laptop, allowing it to look like whatever it looks like and just observing you doing your thing, feeling so in alignment, so excited for each task. And then just allow the microscope to zoom in a little bit more Notice the conversations that you might be having with a client or a coworker. What are you talking about? How does that relationship feel? Notice what you're sending in those emails or what kind of creative projects you're working on. All the while feeling this beautiful sense of satisfaction. How wonderful it is to get to live this life and do this thing you've been dreaming about, to feel so good in your body. And then slowly, perhaps you're going to lunch right now. And what does your lunch look like? Are you going with a coworker? Are you eating by yourself? Are you making something? Are you at a restaurant? Just noticing, not judging anything. Allowing it to arise. Are you talking about something at lunch? How are you feeling while you're eating? And then moving into the rest of your day. What does your afternoon look like? What's on your rock star agenda? Breathing into it, that feeling of how awesome that I get to do this this afternoon, and once again zooming in a little closer, noticing what that project is, what that conversation is, what are you specifically doing? Feeling how alive you feel in your body. how expressed you are, how free. Noticing how that impacts everything you do, how you interact with other people, how you even handle challenges that might arise. And then when you're ready, bringing yourself to dinner and noticing what comes up for you. Are you meeting a loved one out Are you cooking dinner yourself? Is someone at home preparing dinner for you? Just let it be whatever it is, sinking into it, noticing what's being served, noticing how it's being served or how it's being cooked, noticing perhaps the conversation or maybe the music that you're playing or the thoughts in your head if you're eating alone. And then moving into a nighttime routine and just noticing, what does this version of you do to unwind at night? Are they reading a book or taking a bath? Are they doing some restorative yoga? Maybe they're watching a movie. Whatever comes up is perfect. Just noticing it. And then slowly as you wash your face and brush your teeth and get ready for bed, just having that moment where you look at yourself in the mirror and smile, feeling that overwhelming sense of gratitude for this life and then bring yourself to bed tucking yourself back under the covers and taking a few more breaths before you fall asleep and just once again breathing in all of the beautiful things that happened this day how you felt showing up to every moment how you took care of yourself, how present you were to the joy of each moment of the day and slowly drifting into sleep. Coming back into your body now with your breath and just noticing how your energy feels, just breathing into your body and slowly moving your fingers and your toes and opening your eyes when you're ready.
0: Dentalk's podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Dentalks Podcast, and join us there.